0: The Toronto Raptors have fallen to 1-6 and six on the season. Actually, this wasn't a terrible game for Toronto. The only big thing is the three-point shooting differential. And on my previous podcast, I said as a game preview for Phoenix versus Toronto that one of the big things they got to be aware of is where the shooters are, especially when you're throwing double teams. And they did a lot of that. And I just want to name a few shooters who I said to be careful of. First of all, shout out to Jay Crowder. I didn't mention him. He shot 6 of 9 from 3. Really killed Toronto. Had 21 points. But the guys I mentioned were Mikael Bridges, who I said was shooting over 45% from 3 this season. He hit 3 of 7. Another guy was Sarge. I said off the bench. There's stretch 5. He hit 2 of 3. And then I said Cameron Johnson, too. Another guy shooting 40%. He dropped 4 of 7. So... Before I get into that in more depth, I'm going to first talk about some positives that I saw from tonight's game. And the first one is Siakam. Dropped 31 points on 50% shooting and really played well for Toronto. He looked aggressive. He was in the paint a lot, scored most of his points. In fact, inside the paint, got to the free-throw line a lot too, looked very aggressive and gave me some flashbacks from pre-bubble Siakam. And that's a really good sign. His first game of the season, dropping over 30 points. And he looked really good today, and I'm really happy that I saw him perform this way because it gives you more hope moving forward that he can produce like that again. Another big positive is the points in the paint differential tonight. Toronto had 48 points in the paint. They were less dependent on the three ball. And they were plus 24 in tonight's game in that region Honestly, if Phoenix's shot wasn't falling as well as it was, if they were clanking a few more, Toronto would have won this game. And the fact that it was a close game and they shot over 50% from three is a signal that Toronto was doing something right. Sometimes it just doesn't work out for you. And the third one is there were plus eight in free throw attempts, but they missed nine of them. But at the end of the day, they were still aggressive and got to the line. And I'm happy that they did that because these were big issues that Toronto was unable to conquer in the first six games. And now they're showing that, hey, we're adjusting, considering the fact that we are 1-5, and we're making changes that are going to help us moving forward. Now, some improvements they can make. Like I said, their three-point defense. In the last two games, the Suns shot 21 of 40, and the Celtics shot 15 of 29, and the Raptors lost both games, obviously. So, when you look at the numbers... Toronto is getting dominated in this part of the game specifically. And if a team shoots over 50% from three, I think you're going to lose most every game in that sense. And like I said earlier, it's a lot of this doubling the stars, doubling Jalen Brown, doubling Jason Tatum, doubling Devin Booker, doubling Chris Paul. When you throw a second body and pack the paint like Toronto does, it leads to these open opportunities and if you can't rotate on defense as well as you have in the past, which they struggle with now, now that they have a bit more of a stiff in the middle, you know, when Aaron Baines or Alex Lanner are on the floor, they're a lot slower when they try to rotate out to shooters. And as a result, it leads to an open three for, you know, Dario Saric when he checks on the floor, or, you know, any of these guys out there on the perimeter who aren't primary ball handlers. So it's your Cameron Johnson... And even your Cameron Payne. All the Camerons, they were just dominating Toronto today. As well as a couple other players out there like Jay Crowder. You know, when they get these open looks. These are some of the best three-point shooters in the world. And they're going to hit those shots. Another thing that was a negative is Van Van Vliet struggled. He shot 5 of 12 from the field. Had 13 points. Since he had 35 the other night going to give him a pass on this one But the inconsistency is scary With these t- big three in Toronto We need consistent output from them But on a day where Siakam has it going It's good to take a back seat And Van Vliet didn't shoot terribly Like 5 of 12 isn't terrible You know what I mean So he just wasn't really looking for a shot Because Siakam had it going And Lowry was playing well The third one And the biggest point that I want to take away from this game. Which I think we all know already. Toronto's big men aren't good. And this is not Chris Boucher I'm talking about. This is specifically Aaron Baines. Because he's the starter. And he's going to get all of the slack on this one. He had zero points and five rebounds in 13 minutes. And was really struggling out there. You know, I think he only shot one or two field goals and was o of 2 so it's it's just tough under these circumstances for him to thrive coming into Toronto there was this unrealistic expectation that he was going to be able to replace Ibaka's offensive production at least somewhat and Gasol's defensive production once again only somewhat but just having that body there we thought he would be able to give us more than he has been and maybe this is what he is with Toronto Maybe the system isn't built for him like when he was playing for Phoenix or when he was playing for Boston. It just seems like he's a different player under Toronto's conditions. And I think Toronto needs to change this up because their big men aren't cutting it. Boucher's been great. But when you're playing a big, thick, a thick boy in the center, you know, like a a big guy like Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic or... The modern big man who's skilled and really big in size. A guy like Boucher's is going to struggle because of the muscle and the mass difference. So I'm going to propose a few different mock trades or moves that Toronto could make to bulk up that 4-5 slash five position. The first one's not a trade, but it's just a move they can make. It's called the hustle man. All right, And what I mean by that is, let's get Rondé Hollis Jefferson back on Toronto. He signed with Minnesota. They waived him from the team. Basically just cut him, and now he's not on any team. When he was on Toronto, he was giving us significant production off the bench and proved to be one of the better energy guys for Toronto. And as a result, this led to a really good record because of his contribution somewhat to the team. He's a good energy guy, a good glue guy, and I think he'd be a good fit in the four position to help Toronto with their rebounding and inside scoring presence. So I think this would be a good move for Toronto despite the next two trades I'm going to also propose to you guys. So my second trade proposal, I guess my first trade proposal, but my second move I think Toronto could make is making a trade for Clint Capella from the Atlanta Hawks in exchange for Norman Powell and Malachi Flynn. And you might be worried about trading Malachi Flynn, but Clint Capella is the best overall player in this trade today. And I think he could improve the team while also being a young player only, I think 25 or 26 years old, who can play the big man position, he's athletic, can protect the rim, and would be a perfect fit in Toronto with Van Vliet and Lowry feeding him on the regular for some open lobs, easy buckets, and like I said, a good defensive presence. This would allow Toronto to roll out this lineup. Lowry... Van Vliet, OG, Siakam, Capella, then off the bench you'd have Boucher, Terrence Davis, Matt Thomas, and DeAndre Bembry still back there. So you'd have a really deep squad. Now my third trade. This is another one that may be a bit more controversial, but actually before I get into this, you guys might be thinking, why would the Atlanta Hawks do this trade? Malachi Flynn has young potential as a backup point guard for Trey Young. Rondo is not a long-term solution for them, and I think that over time this will raise their ceiling. And it's safe to say that Clint Capella is likely not a part of their long-term future if they decide to extend John Collins, who is clearly the more talented big man who can play the four, play the five position specifically really well. And even though Capella is currently signed a three-year, $18 million contract per year, I'm saying specifically 18 per year, I just am not sure that he's in the cards for this team long-term. However, I might be completely wrong about that. Because he's a great player and would be a good fit there. And perhaps he is part of their long-term future, especially if a guy like John Collins plays his restricted free agency card and maybe gets signed to a max by another team. But these are more just hypothetical situations. And you know, if they're not realistic, let me know. My third one is Marvin Bagley. His father, Marvin Bagley II, opened out on Twitter saying that he wants his son to get traded, which it's not good. You never want your dad saying that kind of stuff about you. But that being the case, why not throw a package at them? Marvin Bagley's a good young player. I think he's got a lot of potential. It might be undervalued. And so I think Toronto could get away with giving them OG and Patrick McCaw plus draft compensation. And you could always sweeten it with a Terrence Davis or a Malachi Flynn in there. Specifically, I'm going to put TD2 in this trade package because I put Flynn in the other one and I don't want to be targeting any specific young cat on the bench there. But if you add Bagley, you can throw him at the center position next to Siakam. And giving up OG means you're going to lose some depth at that forward position specifically the wing so it looks like Bembry would be slotted into the starting position there who is a solid player and can definitely fill minutes there space the floor and then if you add Rondé Hollis-Jefferson in the mix then Toronto's looking at a really good squad with Bagley in the middle Siakam obviously the three is going to either be Rondé Hollis-Jefferson or Bembry then you've got your backcourt that we have today So I think that would be a good move for Toronto to make and pursue if they want to look to adapt this season and make changes that also will project positively into the future. Because these moves would give Toronto the advantage of having a nice young asset added to the team who will be able to contribute right away and and definitely change the landscape of this team for the better. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. If you like the pod rate it five stars. Why not support your friend? All right. I'm your friend. And (laughs) thanks for listening. I'll catch you on the other side.